0: Welcome, you're listening to The Cinema Files. Hello, I'm Kevin Gittle and welcome to our show. Some of my fellow journalists and myself had the opportunity to interview some of the cast of Richard Linklater's latest film, Everybody Wants Some. This film is being marketed as the spiritual sequel to Dazed and Confused. And while there are no direct ties between these two movies, the feel and the tone of them is very similar. Both have an amazing ensemble cast and both deal with young men, you know, at a certain time in their life. Everybody Wants Some* focuses on a group of young baseball players three days before college starts in 1980. While the concept of a film like this is nothing new or special, the way this movie comes together is truly wonderful. It was one of those movies where I sat through just grinning from ear to ear the entire time. Listening to these guys, you get a glimpse of what this film is actually like. These personalities and their friendships were transferred directly onto screen and you can feel that in their performances. So this film takes place in 1980, and it's dripping, it's nostalgia for rest that remember it, but I believe none of you guys were were alive at that time. <laughs> so what was it like working on this film with so much nostalgia, and did any of it resonate? Is there any like, early memories, You're like, oh, I remember
1: that song, or my parents' clothes? Or, uh, or, I was actually born in 1965.
2: <laughs> uh, <laughs> man, you it well. Blacked out crack.
1: Yeah, I actually got a, an endorsement with Lori Hill. Uh, <laughs> Before they were even L'Oreal, Exactly. (laughs) That we created No, I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, I mean, Rick is just, he's like a time machine. I mean, he can just, he took us back there and he was like, oh yeah, well this song's coming out around this time in April. You know, it was playing on the radio three times a week. And you Mm -hmm. know, we we only wore these materials. Those materials didn't come in until 81. He was like, you know, he just was so... Smart about everything that was that was the time period. So I mean, it was, and the fun was the same. So like, it, it never it never felt like oh man, like nineteen eighty, we're all you know millennials or you know we've never have lived this time period. So yeah, I mean, this testament to Rick on that. Still very much part of the culture. Mm-hmm. You, know, mm-hmm. you know that
2: time period is as far as music and clothes yeah, and you know art goes. It was, it was it was it was a time where there was a lot of shifting. Uh, it was changing the guard in a lot of ways, you know, between... And that's what Rick was trying to encapsulate, is, like, you have a kid who's, like, <clears throat> going from high school to college, and, and his world is kind of shifting, and the world in politics, the world <coughs> in, in music, and art, and clothing, sexuality, everything was kind of shifting. And he was trying to encapsulate that, but, like, I think that a lot of those those things that we're talking about, the music, I mean, I, when MJ comes on the freaking <laughs> on the club, People go way more nuts than they do with like Drake. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. I would say that like it's the most it's a lasting period. And yeah, I think yeah. it was it was a really, really fun, exciting period. And I think that's why Rick wants to revisit it. I think that's why there's so much nostalgia for the area, because it was truly great. It was fun.
3: One thing that Rick does really well in all of
2: his stuff is he captures this authenticity about the way people relate to each other and the way they interact
3: with each other. Like you know, even though I was born in 81, like, I can still look at this film and see the way these guys hang out together and the way they talk and stuff, and it's like, it, I can see myself and my friends in that.
2: How much of that is is present on the page, and how much of that is just you guys getting on set and then kind of getting that camaraderie built up? Mm-hmm. Um, we, we fostered,
4: that was all fostered before, um, three weeks before on Rick's farm. And we went out there, and there mm-hmm. was just us and Rick and... That playground of like creativity where he's got this amazing library. It's sort of like a, there's like, you know, there's like a cool mud hut and he's got a library and then he's got this sort of spaceship Flintstone looking house where one wing of it is an entire like, you know, game room. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so that, 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 Location fostered our relationship, where he'd be like, "All right, now you gotta go swimming, you gotta go play ping pong, you gotta go do this." Oh, like, dad! Yeah, <laughs> he was like a camp counselor in a way. And uh, for the first three or four days, and then it was then it went, once it was structured, and, and we figured out how to navigate the, the, the farm. Um, those relationships he allowed to foster within ourselves, like he didn't go, "Okay, you're friends with with this guy, so you really gotta like buddy up." But he just sort of let it organically happen and because of that and because of who he cast as people like rick doesn't just cast actors he casts human beings he casts people and for this that was really important and uh and through the casting process and through us getting to know each other on the form that was truly the reason why i think oops, sorry the reason why you feel what you do yeah. Uh,
2: let <laughs> uh, you well, for For legal reasons, these are group <laughs> interviews. That's why. Uh, there has to be other people in the room. <laughs> um,
4: but yeah, that's the, the energy that you feel in between the moments are truly um, because of those three weeks. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, I honestly think that this movie would not be. A good, I think that the movie's fantastic. I think it's fantastic <laughs> because you can feel the connection. Between all these guys, I, I, I think that um, uh, there's a genuine love between all these guys. And, and that time that we spent in Rick's library, he's probably one of the few guys that is a huge library. And he's read every single book in there. Yeah. You can ask him about any <laughs> single book in there. Yeah. It's nothing, nothing with Rick is presentational. It is authentic. Yeah. You know, he's he's truly, he. you go, um, you, we call him Rickipedia because he, he does know every single... An mm-hmm. if, if aspect of nineteen was like you, you can ask him. We were talking about mu- music, and we we're like, "Oh, what about this like Blondie song?" He's like, "No, nah, that came out in eighty one September." Yeah, uh, mm, yeah, that's not gonna work. It was it was a Wednesday. Wednesday "Yeah, it was a Wednesday <laughs> <laughs> in September." And and it's just um, he's just a truly he's, just, he's his process is the magic I think of Richard Linklater. Is he lets the process take place rather than trying to over control the process, which I think a lot of auteurs do. You know, they they tend to like go okay. No, and I've never worked with Wes Anderson or Quentin Tarantino. I'm sure their process is different, but they have a flavor. Rick's got a flavor, and I think his flavor is 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 finding finding uh, order in the anarchy, right? Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, in, yeah, in the chaos, finding order in chaos, and that's I don't know, somehow he. he and this is truly chaos yeah. that he seemed to wrangle. <laughs> yeah. yeah, So I know that this was your first time mm-hmm. in a feature film. What was it like for that first time to get to learn from someone like like Rick?
1: Uh, it was the best masterclass I think I've, I could have taken. Um, I mean, I was studying musical theater at UT two years prior to doing the film, and uh, I think I was getting ready to take a film course that uh, fall semester. Uh, and I'm glad I did this film instead of taking that film course. Uh, yeah, I, did. I didn't get it worked out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I wish I could have got some like college credit for that because I went back to school the next semester and then subsequently left because my program was was taken away. But I just wish I could have taken that and been like, you know, work out some kind of, you know, <laughs> we don't have to go to school this semester. And it goes to the degree plan. But yeah, it was absolute treat. Well, of course, this film's got a lot to do with baseball, but you guys also did a lot of dancing. Yeah, so you, with your musical theater background, already had some dance moves, it?
4: right? They
2: did. <laughs> I mean, way, his. We, we're I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. you. <laughs> yeah, watching him dance, it was like all of our takes. I mean, we we're like what, yeah. two, three minutes, and we're gassed. He's like going for like ten. They're like, I right, ran out of film. Reload re-film, like, re-film, like, re-film, the mag. So
1: was it more challenging to pick up the dance moves
3: versus the baseball, or were they both really difficult for you guys, um, or, or maybe they were three. easy? Dance
4: Notice you don't see me dancing.
1: <laughs> you got that little move going out of the club. You got this little, like, yeah. little oh, yeah. staff thing you, you got. One move. By myself, on my own. It was good, though, man. You nailed it. Uh-huh. you only
4: need
3: one move? <laughs> yeah. Well, we would
2: only have one. Minute. That's right. Yeah. There's a lot. There's all the rehearsals. You can tell them about the the, the dance. I mean, The room. dance
3: rehearsals, we, we would go in every morning, and we'd do two hours of baseball and two hours of dance rehearsals, and then at least two hours of each, and we would have to do the Cotton Eye Joe, which I never picked up. Um, two-stepping, which I would say that I was okay at. And then uh, the Saturday Night Fever dance was kind of something that we had to learn. And of course, I had never seen anything like that. And Quentin was awesome, and Ryan and them were awesome. But that was the, that was a tough part that took us to up until the very day to figure out.
1: You, you watch guys like... I would watch Tyler do... A, he would kind of do his... He would work the bases. Um, this tire played played in college, and I'd watch him. And I'd be like, dude, that's a dance! Like, you're you're dancing out there. He's like, yeah, I mean, it's just part of the movement. So, I mean, you know, when you're an athlete, I feel like you have to have coordination, and that's what my teacher used to tell me in in college when I took musical theater dance. Is like, she was it was it was so much easier <laughs> for me to to start learning how to dance because I came from athletics in high school because mm-hmm. that coordination is it's all the same. But Rick, Rick talked
2: about that that, that that like now. I mean, a lot of sports teams go out and. Nobody's, everybody's like kind of too cool to dance. Like it was kind of like, yeah, whatever. Like they'll come over here, kind of thing. Right. Back then, it was like an era of like fun, you know. Um, and he said, athletes, when you went out, like you took over, like you danced, and you know you ran the dance floor. And it's just not. He, he said that was kind of a. Do you remember when he talked about that? Yeah, yeah. He was yeah, like, yeah. like we just talked
4: about the, the other day. It was like athletes used to be like a little more outspoken, a little, a little yeah. more like. Political a little bit more, but now like everybody's got to protect a brand everybody's got yeah, their social media presence It's a different world, and they weren't getting paid, getting paid 40 grand a year It's like fuck, what are you gonna do? Yeah, They're yeah Cut me, who cares? Yeah Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um. well, it's back to me, are right.
3: no. no. Oh, no, 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 no no,
4: no, no, Thank
2: you, Kevin <laughs> Damn
4: it, Kevin Damn it Kevin.
2: <laughs> I'm here Okay um, one of the one of my favorite scenes was it was just so fun to see you guys in the car with the rappers delight going. Um, ha- that was great fun. I mean, I'm sure you guys had a great time yeah. with it. Uh, how fun was it? And had you ever heard it before? You know, Rick talked about that song is now become a joke. He's like, we got to drink. He's like, that's an awesome song. He's like, it's the first rap song. He's like, and now people like it was like with the grandma and like. Wedding oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, it's now, he goes, it's, it's now become like kind of a parody of itself. He's like, that was the coolest song of the time. You know, it was the first rap song that's its type. 13 okay. and a half minutes. 13 and a half minutes. And Rick was like, <laughs> yeah. so we, we were, what was the song originally, though? Oh, man, Rick. I can't even, I don't even remember. It's now. like a Donna Summer song, yeah. I think. Some, we were originally supposed to sing that in the car. And then on this, this CDs, this group of CDs in this um, iPod that Rick gave us we all loved Rapper's Delight so much <laughs> and we started singing it and then Rick's like oh love that that'd be great yeah, for the car seat no. <laughs> learn 13 and a half minutes and <laughs> yeah. we'll figure out what we'll do <laughs> <laughs> no way <laughs> yeah. we, we got like five minutes, yeah. maybe in maybe five minutes I mean it's it's, it's loaded with ridiculous <laughs> dialogue and yeah. it's all the same super sperm
1: you know, yeah. <laughs> taste yeah. my dad actually used to listen to it all the time when I was a kid mm-hmm. so Rick was like oh yeah like, let's, let's, let's start learning this thing like start going through it and subconsciously so much of it was still in my memory I was like, oh my god I haven't listened to this song in 10 years I don't know how I still remember it yeah, you had it before anybody else had it. Mm-hmm. Like I say, it was just locked in subconsciously. I
3: remember the look in everybody's eyes whenever Rick said to memorize the whole thing. I remember seeing Quinn Quinn was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I got to do it. Glenn and Ryan, I remember Ryan's face. I'm a realist. I'm a realist. I was like, there's don't no way. The whole I don't know what. No. By the end yeah, of the movie, simple. maybe,
2: yeah. It really worked. It was great. Yeah, it was really fun. All right, so Brent? Okay.
4: <laughs> 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 uh,
0: so, the film is basically a whole lot of young male philosophy and, and young men trying to find themselves and everything. And your character Willoughby gives some very good advice um, that, I'm you know, trying not to give anything away with the story arc, but he, he says, you know, basically to be yourself and that's when you really start having fun and that's something a lot of people don't realize until they're much older. Mm-hmm. So based on Willoughby's story arc, is his, is his story
4: tragic or inspiring? Um, yeah, yeah that's, that's like a
2: confronting <laughs> question.
4: Well, I, I was no, confused. no. It's good no, 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 to no, 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 no. question.
2: When you answer, don't cry.
4: Yeah, when I when I played hockey. When I was playing hockey, you when you're a young kid and you're and you're trying and you're playing a sport, you are so engulfed by that sport, and you have horse blinders on if you're any good at it and you've got a shot at becoming something, you have to put these horse blinders on at like 15, 16, 17, because that's when things get real. And if you aren't able at some point to get those horse blinders off, um, then you're missing the point, in my opinion. And so when I was uh, 19, 20, I got injured very, very badly. And that was the first time I ever realized like, holy shit, there's another world out there because I might not play in the NHL when it looked like I was going to. And I was out for a season and I took that year to kind of like reflect on who I was for the first time because you just don't do it in sports. It's just not something that you talk about. It's not beneficial to the game unless you have mentors and people that, are, that, are, that, are, that have like a higher conscious ability than you, than you do that are older and have been through the wars. And when I was 24, but the year before I got hurt, I was like, fuck it. Like, I'm not going to do what these people tell me to do all the time. Because constantly living for somebody else, trying to play the game, if you don't have your own freedom inside of what you do, whether, no matter what it is, you're going to be stifled by other people's ideas of what you should be. So when we were, when we were talking about that scene, that came up for me. And I thought it would be a fun thing to impart some of the stuff that I had learned in hockey um, and my life has in sports on on Jake um, because it was, and he was third. Well, I won't give anything away because of his, because of what he is. He looks back on it and goes, "Let me just let me just let you in on something because this is what life's about. Because you're probably not going to go play, and that's the other thing. You don't. You're not going to go play in the NHL and Major League sure Baseball. There's one percent of you that's going to go do that. So if you don't realize that now inside of the game." It's going to take you 25 years to learn that in real life and that's a that's a that's a that's a lesson that only you know sports can give can give you in certain ways um in a in a in a, in a microcosm like that and so I, I, that was really fun to be able to like actually say that succinctly for the first time in my life publicly in a weird way you know it kind of
2: got a lot off my chest when well, you and rick like workshopped that the whole, yeah like, <clears throat> it was really fun yeah it was awesome. Rick's like really open to that, but like it was really cool. We'd be in the game room, and I'd get to watch like Wyatt and Rick like hunched over Rick's laptop, like kind of going yeah, yeah. back and forth on that that whole speech. It was great. Yeah, it's absolutely. like a, it's like my favorite moment I think in the whole movie is that that whole smoking section. Yeah. <laughs> it was awesome, man. It really
4: was. It was fun. To be, it was fun to be able to talk to somebody who does movies. It's who who can translate directly from athletics because that spoke to to all of us. Mm-hmm. Like it was like a true way of accessing. Things in the film that you wanted to be able to say that we thought were important, um, but you can do it through athletics because we know how to, I know how to do that, and that was that was awesome to be able to talk to somebody who understood you that way.
2: Cool. And, and 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 Rick truly is a uh, an intellectual, but he's a jock, yeah. and you forget about that because <laughs> he's made so many of these thinky movies over time, and then you talk to him about sports, and you're like, oh shoot, he's like. I mean, he's he's a, he's Rick-a-pedia with sports as well, and he's like he truly understands the game and he understands competition, and and the, the idea of like at a certain point on, in sports you're gonna have to leave that dream behind, you right. know what I mean, or at least at least transform it into a different definition right. of it. Yeah, it's a really, it's I think being getting to spitball with Rick on 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 ideas of the world and 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 philosophy is probably the best experience. I have all these like voice notes on my phone of Rick and I having breakfast and would we just like spitball about things because there was this whole speech that I gave uh, Jake at the end of the movie that got cut out that was like basically uh, a philosophy of, of, of uh, find, finding order in the chaos essentially and, and, and transforming your universe and kind of wrangling what you think um, life should be and, 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 and I have all these like brilliant things like that Rick says on my phone I just like, oh, <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> love that guy So, you guys had the film premiere at South by Southwest. I mean, that's like, that's Rick's home turf. So, going to Austin, Texas, being in a Richard Linklater movie, showing the film to an audience for the first time, how did that feel for you guys?
3: Yeah, I don't think it could have been any better of a situation, especially for the Texas guys, but, you know, for everybody, really, just it's the perfect situation. Rick, Days of Confused, Austin, Texas. I mean, there's no better situation to put us in. And it was kind of great to be able to show it to all the hometown fans kind of thing, you know?
1: You can't really fail in that market.
3: You can't. Yeah. <laughs> we, could
1: have, we could have put anything up on that. <laughs> 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 and we're like, yeah! This is great! You know?
2: He was <laughs> kind of on a a <laughs> T. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but there, there is, there is something about, Rick is like the mayor of Austin. Yeah, yeah. You know? I mean, and he's, he's an icon of Austin. And I think there is a, uh, I thought Days of Confused was kind of like a love song to Austin in a big way. And I think Everybody Wants Up it. is it's very it's very filled with Texas energy mm-hmm. um, and Texas swagger. Um, so I do think we made, a uh, you know, one hell of a movie. Um, but I think we made a movie that was also very personal to us. And we, like, workshopped it so much. And everybody, like, we're all in this group text that we still talk about the movie all the time. We, took, we share funny videos from it. filming and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. And, and, but it's a really personal movie. So sharing it, Rick told us, like keep this moment that you're having right now, like lock that film experience in of all the great times that you had while making the movie before we should show it to the world. Mm-hmm. Right. And if South by, I think was a great validation of what we did because we finally got to show it to the world. And they were like, fuck yeah. 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 <laughs> and, uh, I know the movie kind of been dubbed as like a spiritual sequel to days and confused <clears throat> in a lot of ways. Did that kind of, did that kind of factor into how you guys approach the movie at all? I don't think so man.
3: yeah no I mean it kind of had the same atmosphere but besides that you know I don't, I don't think it you're either, aware of it yeah but,
1: I mean I don't think it. I mean, Rick never said anything about it so it, that, I haven't
4: heard one
2: me. person say the word Days of to confuse, confuse the whole movie it, yeah, like it just no it I mean, we're making our own movie yeah <laughs> it's just tonally very similar if you like Days to Confuse you're going to like this movie yeah you know but I think I mean I think I think early on in the process, Rick was just like, you like if don't ever try to do a, a
1: Ben Affleck or Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> yeah, <relationship>. yeah. <laughs> Just be you. Yeah. yeah. It's gonna go down. We're making our movie. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so, some guy shows up, will like, be fired. All right, all
2: right, all right, all right. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Actually, there is there is a uh, buter says says in one scene, all right, all right, all right. Does you he? Hear hear that? That? No, man. No, he he knows. Knows. I didn't care. Yeah, that? he got away with it. Uh-huh. I don't uh-huh. know how he snuck it in there. It's, I think it's uh, when he's telling uh, <laughs> he uh, when he's telling uh, bl- uh, Jake to like he's got to go He's like, all right. He's like
3: oh, all right, all right, all right. Oh, okay. I saw right. it in the last
1: screen. I was like, that son of a bitch. He <laughs> hit it well.
2: Yeah, no, he, he understood. Really did. He didn't. He tried, didn't try to do it like McConaughey. Right. But I was like, Di- did change up in there.
1: Well, how did you guys actually get involved with the film uh, and with uh, with Rick? Was was it something that you guys saw? Your agents gave you, or did, did Rick reach out to you guys? How did that all come together? Uh, it was kind of. I mean, it varies because I didn't have I didn't have an agent or, or managers or anything. Um, I, just, I heard from my professors at UT. I was going to school, uh, and they told me they knew the casting director in Austin, and so they told me about the initial call, and then. From the initial call on, it was just you know, call back with Rick,
3: and we did our skills videos, and you know, lo and behold, I was there. We actually met each other at the very beginning of the whole process. And mm-hmm. We we got to go in and read the script for the first time, mm-hmm. and then when we we got cast, we just freaked out. We're like, "What, dude? Yeah. You? You're well, I saw I saw you
1: at the production office and Tanner uh-huh. Tanner Kalina, who plays Brumley." It was. I mean, it was. All, there was. There wasn't like another guy there. It was just right. meeting with us three that day, or at least during that time frame. Mm-hmm. And it was so cool to then, you know, a few weeks later, see both of them back at the ranch. So That's crazy. Cool. You know, uh, it was originally
2: called "That's, when I'm or that, right, that's yeah, What I'm Talking." Right. That's what I'm talking
1: about. about. God, I'm like, that, that's what
2: everybody wants. So. <laughs> uh, uh, sorry.
3: It's
2: uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's what I said <laughs> uh, That's why it's all here, dude. <laughs> um, we. Uh, I, it was actually the, one of the first scripts I read out in Los Angeles. I moved out to Los Angeles uh, like seven, eight years ago, and Rick's mm-hmm. been trying to put this thing together. My agent oh, put really? it in front of me. Yeah, my agent, no put, way. Yeah, my agent really put the script in front of me and was like, dude. And I, was, I remember reading, I was like, I want to play Finn, right. like back then. And no I was like, yeah, there's no way I would have been cast though. I was like, right. How fresh off set? the boat. I was like, it's like seven years ago. Had so, you done
1: uh, Fast Food Nation yet?
2: Yeah, I did, I did Fast Food Nation with Rick a long time ago. I was like 16. and I actually broke my arm like probably a week <laughs> and a half, two weeks before filming. And I had to call Rick and be like, hey, I broke my arm. You know, please don't fire me. And, and Rick was like, oh my God, I was just playing like a high school kid who, you know, who worked at a fast food restaurant. And he was like, he's like, oh, dude. He's like, there was always some kid in high school with a cast. He like, yes. <laughs>
3: he's like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, well, cause you know,
2: like some, like I said, some directors like hold on to their vision so tightly. Right. And he's a guy that is, he, he sees the truth in life. And you, if you break your arm, that's life! Yeah, right. I mean, there's always a kid that broke his arm <laughs> in right. And he saw that. Um, okay. And so then, uh, yeah, I saw that script uh, like, like a while ago, and then I'm so glad um, it took him so long to get it together, because I think this is the, true. Yeah, the perfect you know, was, mix. You know, I think this team right. wouldn't have been assembled like this, you know, seven years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Alright,
1: okay. we have to wrap
3: it up now.
2: This is the last um, question. Some- last
3: question. Okay. Okay. Last, yeah, one last question? question. Quick, yeah. One more? Okay.
2: Ahead. Did any of you do any improv, and did it stay in the film? Oh yeah.
3: Well, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, it was improv, there, yeah,
2: there
4: but was. it was it all was well done before. It was all done like in the rehearsal process, and okay. the best hits were put in,
1: and then there's bits and pieces here and there. Because yeah. Yeah. When, when we do our longer monologues, like Finnegan has a lot of monologues, Willoughby has monologues, I have a, a couple of spots in there. He would all like you'd have your chunk and then Rick would always say, even on the day, it's like make it, you know, make it as natural, put it in, in your voice, even after he would rewrite and rewrite and rewrite. Like I know a lot of the coverage that I had on the monologue, um, like when we have lunch after practice, a lot of that stuff was were things that I was just trying to naturalize in the moment. So
3: Yeah. The, the improv mostly came in the three weeks of Rick Ranch. Because he, he gave us the script and it was like, guys, just play with us and so we got to just improv and play. I actually have a weird story about that. All these guys everybody got a um, email saying, "Hey guys, you know, just play with the script, you know, just do whatever you whatever you want to do with the script. It's just kind of a guideline." And so all, tw- all we were all sitting in the van driving out there and everyone's like, "So, everybody got that email, right?" And I'm like, and then so the guys they start talking about how cool the email is and and then we go in, we start rehearsing and I'm just like, not improv cuz I was the only one that didn't get the email. <laughs> <laughs> this is like my first movie, so I'm like, oh, uh, I guess Rick didn't, you know, give me that email for a reason. <laughs> what do you Forms <laughs> <Not you. Yeah.
1: laughs> Vickery do not improv.
3: Yeah, so like I think I told Glenn, I was like, so do you think he didn't give it to me for a reason? So I went up to Rick and was like, bro, like, can I improv? Can I do all these guys are having fun? I want to have fun. He's like, oh, your name has two R's in it. <laughs> 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 so, uh, I was too like that. <laughs> that
2: I love that. Forrest like read all into this thing. Like, everybody can improv except you, uh, Forrest. You're the only one. <laughs> you're in timeout. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. That's okay. cool. cool. Solid. All right. Cool. All right. so cool.
1: Awesome. Yeah. Thank you guys. Thank you. thank you. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. Does, uh, the does Finn's pick up technique actually work?
2: Oh, the average cock
1: on yeah. No, you know what the
2: fun... My, my <laughs> least favorite, my least favorite edit in the whole oh, movie yeah. is when the original speech is, he goes, he says, okay, average cock, blah 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 blah, and then he goes, and then technically she'll find out he's actually being quite humble. <laughs> Rick cut out that line, so now I'm just talking about an average cop. I was like, damn it, Rick. I was like, what? It's just one line. It doesn't lengthen your movie that long. But it's still genius. <laughs> it doesn't yeah, lengthen it's still a genius. really <laughs>